following podcast uh, contains mature content, uh, the views and opinions uh, expressed by the co-hosts uh, are not necessarily those of the host. Uh, listener discretion is advised. Uh, are you ready? I said, are you ready? Well, get ready for this Mackinac podcast. Here's the warden, Matt Ritter, and Sir Cussalot, Travis Pointer. You okay, Travis? As okay as I can be. You were, like I said, you were disappointed last week that I didn't come up with something. I didn't do a special intro. You also normally say three, two, one, and give me a chance to get the picture in the frame. Yep, I sure do. I didn't do that you this definitely time. Definitely fucked that up. I did. Yeah, I you gave definitely lights, up. camera, action in Spanish. I feel like that was better. It might have been better for uh, you, but I was not really prepared because I wasn't paying attention. I was waiting well, for the countdown. Well, Matt, it's not always about you, all right? Yeah, well, uh, let's get into news and rumors right off the bat. Neville has been reported to have finally gotten his release from WWE, but apparently it's not clear. From the time that I looked this up, which was a couple days ago, it says that he still was listed as an active superstar, but there are a lot of reports saying that he did officially get his release. But WWE has also not released a statement saying, hey, Neville doesn't work for us anymore. Like, they tend to do when they fire someone they didn't wish him the best of luck in his future endeavors apparently not mm. um so on monday night raw oh go ahead um uh, well sounds kind of rude but who gives a shit why do i care about neville well, Neville was great when he was there. He elevated the cruiserweight division as champion, which now nobody really watches, from my understanding. At least nobody I talk to, but they at least kind of cared. Did they? Did he really? Or did they start caring when he started going up against Enzo? They cared more when Enzo got there, but at least they had two people to root for. Once he left, they only had one person to give a shit about. And then Enzo left and they had nobody. Yeah. He did do that great King Neville on Twitter where he was just an asshole to everyone on Twitter constantly and constantly insulting everything that was going on. They should have ran with that and did a King of the Ring tournament, had him win, and then go back to 205 Live as the King of the Ring. They should have. They should have. Um, on Monday Night Raw, the, do you remember? I know you remember, but – Probably not. Uh, yep. Do you remember when DX impersonated the Nation of Domination? Oh, you're right. I do remember that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, the guy that impersonated Owen Hart is a wrestler by the name of Jason Sensation. And apparently he tweeted out before Monday Night Raw that he made it past security, he has a gun, and he was going to commit suicide live on Monday Night Raw. So throughout Monday Night Raw, there were police looking through the stadium trying to find this guy. Uh both the tweet and his Twitter account were deleted after he made that tweet, but I couldn't find anything as to whether they found him. Obviously, I don't think he shot himself because Rod didn't go off air. We'd have known that by now, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that happened during Monday Night Raw. Get your people, all right? Get your people. Uh, they announced that SummerSlam is finally leaving Brooklyn and headed to Toronto, Canada next year. Yeah. Canadians. Um, oh, I posted that video of 
the Bailey superfan, Izzy, getting choke slammed. Uh, she's a 12-year-old girl. Yes. What are your thoughts on a promotion allowing a 12 – because apparently she agreed to it, her parents agreed to let it happen, the promotion agreed to it, but there How were a lot of wrestlers that were outraged. I agree. How is this possible? How are you allowed to let your daughter do some shit? Well, I guess, like, you're allowed to put your kids in, like, you know, martial arts shit and all that. So I guess you, it's technically I can see why, but it's just like, fuck, man. <laughs> like, yeah, but your child isn't going into a martial arts tournament against a grown man. I hear you. I hear you. But in Probably three times their age. I hear you. I'm just saying, like, you know, I'm I'm guessing that's the logic behind it somehow being legal because, you know, you're being trained by an adult if you go into some kind of dojo somewhere and you can get end up getting slammed down if you're doing, like, jujitsu or some shit. So if you're in the – if <sighs> this is really sounding like I'm defending the parents for letting her do this. I'm against this, but, like, off rip, like, it's fucking stupid. You shouldn't let your kid do some shit like this. But like, is maybe they justified it like that? Isn't like, yo, we set it to a dojo. You might get slammed down anyway. Well, this is somebody who's trained properly and won't hurt her. Blah 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 blah. I don't know, man. Once again, get your people. Well, I was gonna say the same thing, Travis. Uh, on one hand, I am against the idea, but on the other hand. Our parents never stopped us from going out and jumping on the trampoline and throwing each other off it and shit. And we were not trained professionals doing that shit. But, 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 but how much did they really know? A lot less than they probably should have. Yeah, see, that's different. They didn't know everything we were doing. Because as far as they knew, we were just throwing each other on a trampoline. They didn't know about, you know, the broomsticks and the lawn chairs and the throwing off of the trampoline with the cross power bomb and all those kinds of things, you know, or the cross power bomb onto a sheet of ice that covered the trampoline. Yeah. You know, just all the things that could have resulted in serious injury and sometimes kind of did, you know, broken collarbone. Um, hey, fuck you. All right. That, <laughs> that was that kid's fault. Here's the thing. I didn't like that kid anyway. I don't give a shit. <laughs> that was not my fault. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Turns out I ended up going to high school with that fucker too. By the way. Yeah. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Um, Shimmer. Do you know what Shimmer is? No. It's an all women's independent promotion. It's been around for a long time. It's where a lot of the women wrestlers come from when they show like their past matches and stuff. They're from Shimmer. A lot of the women. In the May Young Classic, which the bracketology was tonight. I'm going to watch that when we get done with, with is this. That, is that like the spiritual successor to Glow? Maybe. Um, but anyway, they're releasing a streaming service that will have their first one through, I think, 61 Shimmer shows or pay-per-views or whatever. Of course they are, because everybody has a streaming service now. I agree. Uh, this is a little bit of a crossover for all of you super flashy Arrow fans that may or may not be listening to this. Stephen Amell is seriously been training in the ring with Cody Rhodes and will be wrestling an actual match That's at the All-In. from Arrow, by the way. You all yeah, Oliver Queen from Arrow. Uh, will be wrestling an actual match at the All-In show here in Chicago on September 1st. Interesting. 
David Arquette is also back into independent wrestling and has been training in Mexico. I heard. (laughs) And for any of you horror fans who are part of the Terabytes group, Doug Bradley, who plays Pinhead in the Hellraiser movies, is a manager for Blackcraft Wrestling. Um, Paige's mom uh, is associated with Blackcraft Wrestling. He's playing a character called the Preacher, which is supposedly similar to the character of Pinhead. So that's kind of cool. A lot of of TV and movie personalities getting into the wrestling business. Okay. By the way, I take it you listen to that podcast. David Arquette sounds like he's whacked out of his fucking mind. Maybe he was just like, you know, marking out because he was on a podcast with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Maybe. I might do the same, but no, he sounded like he was out of his fucking mind on that show. I mean, he kind of is, but, you know. <laughs> All right. Uh, last but not least, Travis, this is probably going to be uh, your favorite. Impact Wrestling's TNA Knockout Rebel has just had some nude leaks. I will tag you in the post because I know you want to see them. I don't even know who that is. Well, you will because you're going to want to see them. Okay. I'm not um, getting nudes at any point. So I know you're not. It, I just didn't. I don't know who that is, though. That's it for our news and rumors. Uh, we're going to introduce a new segment here called Of Course They Fucking Did. And this week's, or I'm not even going to say this week's because this isn't going to be a weekly segment because not every week we're going to have something like this. But For this show, we are going to do the very first, of course, they fucking did. And we're going to do it on Monday Night Raw's The Shield and Braun Strowman situation. So when we last left you last week, we were discussing how we think that maybe The Shield might possibly have turned Roman Reigns heel. All three guys might be heel now. They may be going in the direction where Roman is the cocky champion and he's using Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose to hold off Braun Strowman from cashing in the money in the bank. By the way, how great would that be if they touted that whole we're fighting champions thing, but in reality they're just using each other, and they're like, oh, it would be so great. Like, that would be such a heel thing to do to talk about how they're a fighting champion and defending the titles every week, but they're helping each other defend their titles every week. Like, oh, that would be so good. But that's not what we got. No, no, because that would have made too much fucking sense. What we got was Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns in the ring. Roman had called out Braun. He's like, I told him I'd be here at 8 o'clock. It's 8.05. I don't know where he is. Uh, Braun tells Roman. Roman I'm not cashing. Yeah. (laughs) Braun tells Roman, I'm not cashing in the money in the bank here tonight. I'm going to cash it in at Hell in the Cell. We're going to have a match in a cell where your boys can't get in the ring and keep me from beating the shit out of you. Both guys seem to be baby faces here. Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre's music hit. They come out, talk about how the only challenges they haven't met and defeated so far are Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns, and they don't think those guys are worthy. GM Baron Corbin comes out and gives the fans what they want. He lets us know that we're going to get a tag team match. Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre versus Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman in our main event. Braun says both those guys are going to get these hands. Oh, and Roman Reigns referred to Braun Strowman multiple times as Meat Shack, which 
I don't know what that is, and I don't know why he called him that. It's sad because this is probably one of the best Roman Reigns promos I have heard ever. It's up there. Yeah. And he ruined it by calling Braun Strowman a meat shack multiple times. Well, I mean, he knows what he meant. I don't know if anybody else does, but, you know. The whole match seemed a little off to start with. Roman Reigns was taking on Drew and Dolph. He couldn't get to Braun Strowman to get that hot tag. When he finally does, they turn Braun Strowman heel. Well, let's just start off by saying this isn't the first time we've seen them seen wrestling do something like this. This isn't new. Um, it's a story they've told millions of times, like, oh, this is my tag team partner. Oh, I'm going to turn on my tag team partner and help the other team. I don't know why, but they do this shit all the time. Now, this Braun Strowman heel thing. Somebody has to explain this to me because I don't understand. Let's. They really are determined to try to make us cheer for Roman Reigns. Like, like, and I think like their goal is to just make us dislike his opponent so much that we're forced to. And before, hold on, before you continue, the reason we're saying Braun Strowman is a heel here isn't because he attacked Roman Reigns, but because he then had two heels in Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre attack Roman Reigns. And then after the shield came out and they beat up the shield three on one, because for whatever reason, Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins thought it'd be a good idea to come out separate. Separately. Yeah. 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 Um, he then raised Dolph and Drew's hands in the air along with his signifying that he's with the shit. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. Like, I don't know, like, their whole goal seems to be just to make us dislike his opponent instead of us liking him, which I guess is a way to go about it, but it's just, like, it's it's a very temporary solution. <laughs> like, yeah. Once his opponent goes away, you got to make us hate a whole new person. Yeah, like, and it's really not going to work because we kind of like Braun fucking shit up, so it doesn't really, like... And that's why I said that this is our, of course they did. Of course. Unless they, like, do a complete change of Braun's character and somehow make him cowardly, which doesn't make any sense. Because in the end, he's still giving somebody these hands. And as long as he's doing that, we're going to like Braun Strowman. Well, go ahead. Well, that's why I said this is our, of course they fucking did. Because you had perfectly set up Roman Reigns, who the fans have been begging to turn heel for a long time. Not all fans, but I'd say a good majority of them. Now you've got Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose out there to facilitate that heel turn by reuniting with the Shield, which in opinions that I've heard from multiple people, including someone on this podcast, the Shield only really works when they're heels in the first place. But instead of doing that, of course, they took the biggest baby face on Raw, both literally and figuratively, and they turned him heel and left Roman Reigns a fucking baby face. And here's the thing. If you really want people to start cheering for Roman, give him a heel run. Like, for real. Like, that works. It has worked in history. Two of your biggest 
baby faces of all time. Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock. Both started as heels. And he was like just their heel runs are what made their characters what they were. Stone Cold was never even supposed to be a babyface. He was supposed to be a heel the entire time. People just wouldn't stop cheering for the shit he was doing. Yeah, because Austin 316 says, I just whooped your ass. Like, <laughs> And here's the thing. I'm not mad that Braun Strowman's a heel. I don't care whether Braun Strowman is a face or a heel. As long as Braun Strowman does some Braun Strowman shit, I'll be happy. I'm not mad they turned him heel. I'm mad that they had this perfect story set up and a perfect direction to go with the Shield and Roman Reigns, and then they just went the exact opposite of what made sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, but since we're talking about making sense, this does make sense, and I absolutely love this. After he made the tag team match for the main event, Baron Corbin then stood in the ring and informed us that as Constable – He's making a third match because the first match that he made was the uh, what? You mean as general manager? Yes, I'm sorry, as general manager. What did I say? Constable? Yeah. I got to get used to acting general manager. Um, the first match he made was the Hell in the Cell match at Hell in a Cell. The second match he made was the tag team match in the main event of Raw. And the third match was his rematch against Finn Balor, not the demon, the man. What he forgot to mention before the bell rang. He forgot. Yeah. He did. Was that it was a no DQ match. So (laughs) I understand why the ref was confused and rang the bell when Baron Corbin hit Finn Balor with the beer. It wasn't a no DQ match. He wasn't told that. So there there was confusion. I don't know if you saw what I saw, but Baron Corbin clearly stated, hey, this was a no DQ match. Restart the match, which... If you are a heel GM who's going to compete in the ring, there is no better way to piss people off oh, yeah. than win all your matches by restarting them. Well, and the rules and shit. Yeah, it makes perfect sense for him as a heel. I'm not saying oh. like that's not a good story to tell. I'm just saying, like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was, that was absolutely fantastic. And I, I really thought that'd be some heel shit that Travis appreciated because Travis oh, appreciates him. I, I definitely appreciate it. I get it. I just I'm just a fan of Finn Balor, so fuck you. But I get it, and I I appreciate it, I respect it, but fuck you. Um, we ha- oh speaking of fuck yous, we got a fuck you from Kevin Owens on Monday Night Raw. <laughs> Definitely. Seth Rollins came out and issued an Intercontinental Open Challenge, which, by the way is the second open challenge of the night issued by the Shield because before Braun Strowman came out, Roman Reigns said he was going to issue a workhorse... He was issuing an open challenge for the Universal Championship. Braun showed up, though. That didn't happen. Now Seth comes out, and he does an open challenge. Kevin Owens accepts. He cuts a great promo. Um, He hit Seth Rollins with a fucking Stone Cold Stunner in the middle of the match which got a big pop and was really fucking cool to see. Um, but Rollins won. After which KO got a chair and sat in the ring. We come back from commercial. There's Kevin Owens still sitting in the ring. He picks up the mic and he says, I quit. And then drops the mic and leaves. He fucking quit. I don't know what that means. I, I don't know if that means he quits. He's going to SmackDown because Daniel Bryan's not GM anymore to screw him over. And Shane's not around. I don't know if that means he's going to go back down to NXT, which would be kind of cool. 
I don't know if he's just taking some time off, but he, he quit. Yeah, he said, fuck this shit, I'm out. Um, uh, these next couple things, I don't know if you saw or not, Travis, so... Uh, I'll let you know. Dean Ambrose, Jinder Mahal? Yep. Okay. So Dean Ambrose had a backstage promo where he looked really pissed off. Jinder Mahal came up, did his new shtick, which I feel bad for Jinder Mahal because he went from WWE champion to coming over to Raw, and now he's pretty much back where he was before he got into the WWE championship title picture. And he's wrestled with a shitty self-help gimmick. So sad. So sad. Uh, Ambrose seemed really pissed off which is why they had Jinder come back and talk to him. Uh, he said he could see himself ripping off Jinder Mahal's limbs and beating him with him, blah, blah, blah. So we get Dean Ambrose versus Jinder. Dean wins with not as great of a dirty deeds as we saw last week. I was a little disappointed. I was looking forward to that really impactful dirty deeds, but it is what it is. They can't all be gems, Matt. Um, this I'm pretty sure you saw just because of who was a part of it. Did you see the Elias segment? I did. Okay. Elias came out to perform in Canada and then he said he's not going to perform in Canada because Canada sucks specifically, uh, where they were, which was, I believe, Montreal, Quebec, Canada, Toronto. Oh, they were in Toronto. That is correct. Uh, Trish Stratus, who is from Toronto, came out, interrupted him. They had a really good back-and-forth banter. The whole reason she was out here was to promote her match against Alexa Bliss at Evolution, show that she's back around. Uh, some of my favorite things from this were Elias asking if the Alexa Bliss-Trish Stratus match was going to be a swimsuit contest pillow fight. Yeah. Yeah, uh, not to the attitude era there. And Trish has passed in a lot of the contests that she competed in. He also... Yeah, yeah, I remember those. He also insinuated that uh, Trish was out there because she wanted to be a groupie for Elias, but he informed her that he does not date 60-year-old women. She's 60-odd data. Um, at which point, Rhonda then shows up with Natalia. Did you get to see the Natalia versus Alicia Fox match? I did. All right, so Natalia beat Alicia Fox. Um, Alicia Fox had Mickey James and Alexa Bliss with her. Alexa cut another onstage promo. Trish was in the ring with Rhonda. So Natalia had Rhonda and Trish on her side. Alexa had Mickey James, who they did the whole, you know this person very well sort of thing because of the feud that Trish had with Mickey back in the day. Mm -hmm. um, but when we get backstage, we find the Bella Twins are backstage again. And it is announced that next week on Raw, the Bella Twins will have a match along with the match that Brie Bella is going to have at Hell in a Cell that we talked about last week. So my question to you, Travis, is are the Bellas free agents who can just go to whatever show they want? Basically. That's what that is. You got that kind of shit. Like, I'm not on any brand. I just go where the fuck I want. It was also announced that... Um, Ronda Rousey, I believe Natalia and Nikki would be facing the Riot Squad. Yeah. At Hell in a Cell. Is it at Hell in a Cell or is it on Raw? I thought it was uh, just a regular Bella Twins match on Raw. 
I thought, or I'm sorry, Evolution. I think it's Evolution that that six-woman tag team match is taking place. Could have sworn that was supposed to be on Raw, but I could be wrong. It's happened once before. I will double-check that. Um, but they did announce a six-woman tag team match. We were told that next week on Raw, it's going to be a Bella's tag team match against the Riot Squad. Um, so we're going to see where this goes. All right, Travis, now it's time for Not Good Enough for Hulu because I can guarantee that these next few segments were not good enough for Hulu, which is weird because it's only three. Uh, Dana Brooke versus Sasha Banks. Nope. Uh, Titus told Dana to get her ready for Evolution. He's going to get her a warm-up match, and he chose Sasha Banks. A warm-up match versus Sasha Banks. That was Dana Brooks' reaction. That was Apollo Crews' reaction. My wife texted me after she watched it and said that Titus is an asshole, which I agree. Um, They also kind of furthered this thing that you haven't seen where they're kind of alluding to the fact that something's going on with Dana and Apollo. After the match, Apollo rushed in the ring to check on Dana. Titus just stood up there. Apollo was arguing with who he chose to fight Dana and her comeback match because it's her first time in the ring in six months blah 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 blah. Hmm. uh the b team versus the revival negative b team lost to the revival and the revival cut a promo after the match so now the revival has beaten them in a tag team match and won singles matches against both members of the b team but they haven't beat them for the belt yet not yet And last but not least, and this is probably going to be the one you're saddest about, Baron Corbin informed Bobby Lashley that he was going to have a match. He was extremely busy. He did not have a chance, you know, with everything going on, his match with Finn Balor and all the other stuff, to remember who the match was against, but the match was happening right now. Bobby went to the ring to find his opponents. Baron's like, the reason I couldn't remember who your opponents were is because it's not one but two people. This was obviously payback for Bobby Lashley crushing uh, our acting GM last week on Raw, Bobby Lashley took on the Ascension and handily defeated the Ascension. Really? Really? Well, ladies and gentlemen, we have our travesty of the week here. What the fuck? What the fuck? Here's the thing. Can I get some goddamn respect here? I know that the Ascension isn't used almost at all, especially in the tag team division. I get that. But if you're going to put Bobby Lashley in a tag team match and you want him to look dominant, let him go in and have a fucking brawl with the Authors of Pain and come out on top against, like, the Authors of Pain, who are a dominant, beastly tag team, you know, and have it be a hard-fought win for Bobby Lashley, but he beats the Authors of Pain and looks like a badass. Don't put him against the second biggest joke on Monday Night Raw as far as tag teams go. First being Brizongo, and that's debatable. Um, You're about to say Ties Worldwide because they ain't shit either. I think that it would be more respectable for Bobby Lashley to squash Titus Worldwide than it would be the Ascension at this point. Yeah, you're probably right. So not good enough for Hulu this week. We have Dana Brooke and Sasha Banks. We have... The B team versus the revival. And last but not least, we have a handicap match Bobby Lashley versus the Ascension. Which is also the travesty of the week. 
because not only is Bobby Lashley not good enough for Hulu, but what the fuck are they doing with Bobby Lashley? Exactly. Exactly. All right, Travis, let's roll on over to SmackDown. Um, we start off with the New Day, and this was almost the impersonation I did, Travis, just so you know. I, I had to fight my urge Listen. to impersonate King Booker. Booker. Listen, few things in life make me happier than seeing the return of King Booker. He even threw the pinky up and everything. He was just like, oh, this is so great. There was no reason for him to come out as King Booker, by the way, because like a whole five-time champion thing was as Booker T in WCW. Well, there was a reason, but I'll let you finish what you're saying, then we'll talk about what happened. So it's just like, he didn't have to do that, but he did it anyway, and I enjoyed it. So, for those of you who don't know, uh, New Day are now five-time tag team champions, and the reason that we had the reason that we had this coronation celebration and the reason King Booker came out is because they are officially joining the Five Timers Club. Uh, <laughs> King Booker came out. Sorry, King Booker came out. Uh, he referred to Kofi. <sighs> As Sir Kofi the Brave, he referred to Xavier as Lord Xavier the Wise or some shit. And then he just called Big E Big E. And Big E was not happy that he didn't <laughs> Big E was not happy that he didn't get his own special name and he stopped Booker T. And Booker T's like, Well, you already have Big in your name. Like <laughs> fuck. Uh to which I mean, he, he responded, Big E the Strong or some shit. He could have, but he chose. Oh, that's what I was expecting. I was expecting so Big E the Strong or Big E the Brave. Yeah, it was so funny. It was so great. I loved it. Uh, but then he said, and Travis, maybe you can explain to me what this is, because it was funny. I laughed. I think I know what he's getting at, but I'm not 100% sure. Big E said, you just went full Saxton on me. Do you know what full Saxton is? All I know is you just never want to go full Saxton. <laughs> uh, we also got a spinneroonie from Booker T after everything calmed down, and then Big E tried to do a spinneroonie. Oh, they did it for him. <laughs> uh, we're gonna call that a bigaroonie. Yeah, bigaroonie. <laughs> we got a spinneroonie and a bigaroonie. Any more thoughts on the new day and this coronation and how much it, you loved it? It made me so happy. I was so happy to see it. All right, well, the New Day then also got their own special announced team table that was put together uh, because they were – out there all night. <laughs> yeah. They were the announcers for the next matchup, which is the first of two triple threat tag team matches to determine the number one contenders for the New Day's tag team championships. Uh, we got to see the bar beat the club and the Colognes, who apparently one of the two was out with an injury – is that what happened? Because I didn't think yeah. it worked there. <laughs> what was the last time you've heard the colognes? I don't fucking know. That's why I was just like, I didn't know you still worked there. It was just, I mean, I'm not against seeing you. I just didn't know you were still there. Well, I had the same feeling when the Ascension came out on Raw. So this is like last week was the return of, those people you never see on TV. This week was the return of those tag teams that you never see on TV. Yeah. Uh, the bar got the win. And then we rolled back backstage. Paige was having a conversation with Rusev, Aiden English, and Lana. 
Page announced that it's going to be Rusev, Aiden English versus the Usos versus Sanity next week in the second of the Triple Threat Tag Team matches. We also found out that that was something that Aiden asked for after Rusev tried to give Lana credit, and she said she didn't do it. Looks like Aiden, Rusev, and Lana are back on the same page. Everyone's happy in Rusev Day. Okay. Um, here's my thing though. This is gonna sound weird. I don't know if it'll sound weird or not, but it's just like, yeah, we've had that already. I don't care. I don't care at all. I want the Usos to win this. I want more Usos versus the New Day because it's always so fucking awesome, and I want to see it over and over and over again. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I disagree. I rarely, I rarely want to see the same shit over and over again. But I swear I can watch the Usos versus the New Day over and over again. I disagree, and I disagree for multiple reasons. One, we've seen that match so many times. There's only so many new things they can do. I know it's always great. I know you don't care. I don't. (laughs) We've got so many other tag teams that need to be in the tag team title picture besides those two. No, we don't. Yeah, we do. Um. And this one is, like, yours was personally for you. This one's personally for me. I kind of need to see Aiden English and Rusev win this because I need to see Rusev get a fucking title. I'm sick of watching him get into fucking title matches or title contention just to lose time after time after time. Mm -hmm. I was really hoping he was going to beat AJ and this was going to be, like, his coronation to the main event. Rusev Day is here. All the hard work he put into getting Rusev Day over is finally awarded. Like I kind of, I kind of want to see Rusev win it. I mean, I hear you, but that's a mid card gimmick. He should, he should have the U.S. title. Like the Rusev Day thing, that's not a main event gimmick. That's a, that's, that's a mid card gimmick, and I'd have been okay with that. So, yeah, then up against who's U.S. champ now? Oh, um, Shinsuke. Yeah, but up against who was not on SmackDown because he's boring now. I don't know what the fuck they what what what's happened, but he no longer amuses me. I didn't write it down. Did something happen? I, I vaguely remember something happening with Jeff Hardy and Randy Orton. Um, there was a promo. Um, I remember Jeff being in the ring talking, and I remember Randy Orton coming out, and I think it ended in them setting up a match at Hell in a Cell. Yes, it did. We got the match at Hell in a Cell. Um, I believe it's going to be a Hell in a Cell match, if I'm not mistaken. I don't fucking know. Let's talk about this for a second. Let's talk about the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view and all these theme pay-per-views in general. I don't like this shit. Let me tell you why. Certain matches need to be organically set up. Not happening because this certain pay-per-view is coming up. Like, a Hell in a Cell match needs to happen because we need a cage. But guess what? People climb over the cage. We can't trust people to stay out of the cage. So we're going to put a roof on the cage. That's why the Hell in a Cell match needs to happen. It needs to happen organically. It shouldn't happen because we just have this pay-per-view coming up. So we're going to put people in this Hell in a Cell match. Only, only special match that should happen because of this particular pay-per-view should be the fucking Royal Rumble and TLC not TLC, uh, Money in the Bank. 
Like those two should be the only ones that like happen because of the fucking event. All the rest of them need to happen because the storyline dictates they need to happen. I will agree with that. And furthermore, I will say that the only storyline on Raw or SmackDown, even though it's not uh, people are climbing into the cage, so we got to put a roof over it. The only one that warrants the brutality that is the Hell in a Cell right now is the AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe match. And we don't know that that's even going to be in Hell in a Cell. I'll also give you the fucking Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns match to keep people out. The reason being because you want to keep the shield out and you want to keep Drew McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler out. That's the only reason why that would work at all. But we haven't gotten there yet. Exactly. But we have time to build to that because they're already have the whole team thing set up now. It can build to that. That's why I'm saying saying right now where we're at, if we got one Hell in a Cell match, the one match where there's so much animosity, so much hatred, it, it should be that match. Randy Orton versus Jeff Hardy was not set up well enough to require a Hell in a Cell match. The thing is with the whole um, AJ Styles and um, Samoa Joe thing, I don't think that's what it would warrant right now. Right now, that warrants an extreme rules match. Like it doesn't, it still doesn't warrant a Hell in a Cell match. You know what I mean? Like it just warrants a match without DQ where they can just beat the shit out of each other. Why did Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker have their Hell in a Cell match? Because there was always interference in Shawn Michaels' matches. Why did Mankind and The Undertaker have their Hell in a Cell match? Because Mankind's out of his fucking mind. Because it is the most demonic, brutal structure designed to inflict pain that two people can compete in. that That works for the story between Mankind and The Undertaker because of who they are. And now that we have the existence of Hell in a Cell, I feel like it works for Samoa Joe and AJ Styles. I don't think an Extreme Rules is going to be enough. And the reason I don't think an Extreme Rules match is going to be enough is because what happened this week on SmackDown, where AJ Styles came out pissed off and he called out Samoa Joe. Joe sat in the back, said, no, I'm good. I'll see you at Hell in a Cell. And then called AJ Styles' wife on the phone, had a conversation with her, and told her, Keep a plate warm for me. Maybe I'll come see you next Tuesday. Implying that on SmackDown, he is now going to go to AJ Styles' house. I hear you. That's fine, but that doesn't warrant them being locked inside the cage. It just warrants them allowing AJ to do whatever the fuck he wants, which would be an Extreme Rules match. <laughs> the whole thing about the cage matches before and the Hell in the Cell matches is to keep everybody in and keep everybody else out. That's the, whole, that's the, that's the main purpose of the cage. I guess I could see that point. I, I look at it more as it's a brutal structure that is designed to help you inflict as much punishment as possible on your opponent, whether it be throwing them off the top, putting them through it, ramming their face across it, grating them like a cheese grater around it, and also beating them with chairs and tables and whatever while inside it. If you get out, big ups. Everyone gets out. It happens almost every time. It literally happens like every match. (laughs) Um, So we had that, which I'm, that's the match I'm looking forward to the most at Hell in a Cell. Like I said, that's the one I really wanted to see in Hell in a Cell because I feel like those two could do some great shit in Hell in a Cell. It would be a fantastic match. Jeff Hardy, Randy Orton, really don't think it warrants a Hell in a Cell match. While we're on the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, as I said earlier, we're going to get Brie Bella and Daniel Bryan versus The Miz and Maurice. 
Brie and Daniel were down in the ring cutting a promo about Miz and Maurice. Then they were interrupted by Zelina Vega and Andrade Cien Almas. Um, Daniel Bryan calls out Paige to make a match. There's a delay. Daniel Bryan said, oh, when I was GM and people did this, I always showed up. Then Paige's music hit. She said her office was on the other side of the building. About all out of breath and shit. Yeah, that was fun. I like that. Daniel didn't have to run in heels when he was GM. She did a fantastic job. Part of the reason why I love Paige so much, GM. Um, so she gave him the match they wanted. We got Daniel Bryan versus Andrade San Almas because that's what Zelina Vega said Andrade wanted. And uh, the Miz and Maurice attacked Bree and Daniel with help from Zelina and Andrade. That's kind of how it ends. Yeah. We saw him in the back scheming. Then they came out, interfered, jumped their opponents. I don't care. <laughs> I'm watching this. I want to care. That's the thing. I want to. I just don't. Um, no, I'm with you. Like, this should be a this should be as personal of a storyline as what we're getting with AJ versus Samoa. But something is just fucking falling flat, in my opinion. It's not working, and I don't know why. I just, like I said, I just don't care at all. Something else isn't working on SmackDown, and that is Naomi. Because this week she lost to Billy Kay after losing to Peyton Royce last week. Shame. Shame. Mind you, having Billy Kay or Peyton Royce at ringside allows for them to assist, distract, and help get the win, which is what happened in both matches, including this week. So now we need someone to watch her back. Yeah. So I'm guessing that's what's going to end up happening. And it's probably going to be Tamina. Yeah, she's about due to come back. Yeah, she was injured. Come back. And she's family. That would make sense. So... From one woman's match to another, we had a backstage interview with Renee Young and Charlotte where Charlotte's really fucking pissed off. Uh, she says Becky isn't her best friend anymore. And tonight she's going to go out in her match against Carmella and kick some ass. Got to give Carmella credit again. You know, everyone on Twitter and everything says Carmella can't wrestle. There were even some you can't wrestle chants during the match, but she did that top rope her and Rana. Talk about those haters real quick. Um, I don't even really know what to say about him. I'm like, the fuck do you want? Like, she's putting in work. She's putting in good work. She gets more heat than pretty much any other heel on SmackDown. Like, fuck you. Like, it's just, like, I really don't understand. Like, that's the chance you really want to throw out there is that you can't wrestle. Like, Come on now. And the thing is, as well with that, what a lot of people don't realize is when you're a heel, you wrestle a heel style in the ring. There's an actual style to wrestling as a heel. You don't do the moves that people want to see. You're constantly trying to undercut the baby face. You're not doing high spots to get cheers. You want people to not like you. You want people to cheer. You can't wrestle because then they don't think you deserve to be champion. So if you're doing that, you're validating the fact that she's actually fucking fantastic at what she does. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Now, if they were chanting that at, like, you know, Ronda Rousey, that'd be a problem. Yeah. I don't want them to do that just because I think that would be funny. But, like, 
you know, I'm not saying people do that. I'm just saying if that happened, I would laugh. Maybe that means I'm fucked up, but yeah. That's just, I don't know. I really think they can find something better to chant at Carmella than you can't wrestle. I agree. Um, Charlotte ended up winning that match. Becky attacked Charlotte from behind after the match. Uh, she called Charlotte a bitch. And then and then stood up and said she's going to get her title back at Hell in the Cell. And that was how we went off air on SmackDown. Yo, listen. I stand by this. In this feud, Becky needs to be the face and Charlotte needs to be the heel. Like, People are with Becky on this. Like, I really feel like the the people, the crowd, all that are with Becky on this. Fuck Charlotte. Like, it's all about Becky. Like, we want to cheer Becky. Let us cheer Becky. You see when they, like, showed the promo of her, well, showed the clip from her promo last week, they cut out all the heel stuff that she tried to do last week. So this is like, I think they see it, too. And I'm thinking that's the direction they're going to go in, and I'm with it. See, I want Becky to go heel, though, and here's the reason why I want Becky to go heel. Because when you go heel, you change your look, you change your music and all that. And from the time she showed up on NXT to the main roster, I have been hoping that at some point her theme music would be Becky by Plies. I really want that to happen. We are not going to have her coming out to a song about sucking dick, Matt. All right? Listen, listen, back in the day when I was living in Tallahassee, Florida, you know, going to Florida A&M University right up the street from Florida State University and going to parties where there were plenty of Beckys around and singing Becky when it came on, I enjoyed that song thoroughly. It resulted in many wonderful nights for me. But, but we cannot have her coming out to a song about sucking dick. All right. You say it's about sucking dick. I say it's about. Imagine the signs, Travis. All the signs in the crowd that say, Give me that Becky. (laughs) Listen, I would laugh. I'm not going to say I wouldn't find that humorous. But. Or Becky, Becky, marry me. (laughs) On this liquor. Oh, so heavy. No, she can't do it. We cannot, we cannot do that. I think it would be fantastic. I'm actually going to listen to that song once we get off this podcast. All right, Travis, who's going over this week? Oh, man. This week, please, the new day. Five time. Five time. Five time. I'm going to go with Baron Corbin. Of course you are. That's fine. Well, the acting GM pulled a beautiful restart the match. It's an ODQ thing. You know, he had a good week this week. He got that win over Finn Balor. Uh, I'm going to go with him. Who's jabbing out this week? I'm going to go with poor Finn Balor. I'm going to go with Naomi. That's a good choice also. Why are you going Finn Balor? Because, man, he just he thought he had the win and it just got snatched away from him. And he got beat down with a chair. It's just like, man, that sucks. (laughs) And I'm going with Naomi because obviously this is the second week in a row that she has been cheated uh, without, you know, 
the ref seeing it to lose to the Iconics. She's on a two-match losing streak, which is a far, far cry from when she was SmackDown Women's Champion. And she was fantastic as that, so she deserves better. No worse than the NFL refs. All right, Travis, we got about 12 minutes. Let's roll into our topic this week. We sat down and we watched the Armageddon Hell in a Cell. Yeah, we did. We did. Did you, before you watched this match, watch The Rock's promo? I did, and that's the first note that I had. Because <laughs> I fucking forgot about Kevin Kelly. And then when I remembered who Kevin Kelly was, I was really pissed off that The Rock didn't call him Hermie. Oh, no, you got you to gotta go back and find that first interview when he first called him a hermaphrodite, when he was just like, let me, they, like they asked him about, um, when I think The Rock was facing Triple H and Kurt Angle in a triple threat match, and Kevin Kelly asked him if he was concerned about it, and he was just like, well, let me, let, let The Rock answer that question by asking another. Do you have both male and female sets of genitalia? <laughs> Oh, man. Like, I just have this vivid memory in my head of The Rock going, shut your mouth, Hermie. Yeah, man. Oh, that, that came later. When he was like, when he made him put his finger in his nose, too. And he was like, The Rock said, will you just pick in your nose? The Rock said, you know, take your finger and put it in your nose. Stick it up there, Hermie. <laughs> Stick it in, Hermie. Yeah. <laughs> um, was there anything else other than Kevin Kelly from that promo that you wanted to talk about? No, it was just great seeing another great rock promo. That's all. It's just okay. it made me so happy. This is also uh, post the return of Stone Cold after he was run over by a car by Rikishi, by Rikishi who was working for Triple H, even though he said he did it for the rock. He did it for the people. <laughs> um, this match had five of the greatest competitors in WWE history, and Rikishi. Um, to get off cheeks, all right? All right. Travis, you've got Kurt Angle, Triple H, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, mm, all right. The Undertaker, and then Rikishi. I mean, I hear you. You're right. I'm just saying. <laughs> Leave him alone. I'm with you on that. Uh, the match was made by, made by Mick Foley. Vince did not want this match to happen. He tried to go to everyone and get them to not be a part of this match. You think if you own the company, why can't you just stop the match from happening? Like it's just it really made no sense to me. This whole thing, like, why couldn't you stop this match from happening? Well, he tried, and then he got beat up for his trouble. Uh he got a stone cold stunner, a rock bottom, a last ride. He could just still stop the match from happening. Triple H and Stephanie do it all the time. Um and during the match, he came out with that weird fucking like. I know why they chose that truck because Rikishi needed to fall into the truck, <laughs> and they needed to hide whatever Rikishi was going to fall onto so he didn't get hurt. Those pads under the hay, yeah. But like, the fuck did they find a truck full of hay, and why was that like the choice to come <laughs> out? And- <laughs> yeah. Also, Vince is worried about people getting injured in this match, which is why he wants to stop it. So he's going to rip an entire wall off the cell while people are on top of the fucking cell. Yo, also on top of this, I believe during this match, everybody got busted open. I don't know if Rikishi did. I was about to say, maybe Rikishi didn't, but, I, but I'm, 
I know everybody else did. I don't, maybe you're right. I think you're right. Rikishi did not. Rikishi didn't. Everybody else did, though. Especially Triple H, he got his face raked across the entire fucking cage. <laughs> that was like the entire beginning of the match was just watching Stone Cold walk around the cage and rub Triple H's face across the cage from side to side to yeah, side to side. It's like, damn. I Which, because fuck him. <laughs> that's one thing that bothered me watching this match back was how obvious it was that two guys were getting in the ring to do their stuff while everyone else was just doing bullshit on the outside for no reason. Like, it was very apparent, like, all right, now it's these two guys' turn, and everyone else needs to wait. Now this guy will roll in, and that guy will roll out. Now it's their turn, and everyone get in your spots. Like, eh, it didn't really do it for me until they got outside the cage. See, that wasn't even my favorite part. What was your favorite part? part Was when we got Stone Cold and The Rock in the ring. And they started exchanging blows because that's always great when you get the rock and the stone, rock and stone cold going at each other. And it's, oh, it's magic every time. I'll agree with that. Um, they did battle outside the ring, though. There was this weird moment where the Undertaker was just kind of standing there waiting for someone to do something to him that looked weird. Um, eventually, you had. Everyone up on, I believe it was Stone Cold Triple H went up on top of the cell first. And then... Triple H was climbing up Stone Cold, was trying to stop him, and he followed him up there. Yeah. And then The Undertaker and Kurt Angle climbed up. And then The Rock and Stone Cold went down. And then Rikishi climbed... Or, I'm sorry, Stone Cold Triple H went down. Then Rikishi climbed up. The Rock said, fuck that, I'm not going up there. He never went to the top of the cage. Yeah, fuck that shit. Also, smart man. well, the first one to say fuck that shit was Triple H while he was up there. He was like, oh, this is a bad idea. I'm going to get the fuck down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I um, the only other part of this match that really bothered me was after Undertaker chokeslammed Rikishi, chokeslammed. Pushed him. By yeah. The- by the throat. <laughs> it wasn't chokeslammed. Off the top of the cell. He just stayed up there. Like, what happened to him? And let the rest of the match happen without him. Like just, he wasn't even trying to win. He just pushed him off. Kurt Angle pinned the Rock, and he just laid up there on top of the cell. Didn't come down. Nothing. I will say I commend them after that. You know, because after that, uh, Triple H and not Triple H, after that, Undertaker, Mankind, Hell in the Cell, they reinforced the top of that cage. Because him falling to the top wasn't supposed to happen. He reinforces so that doesn't happen again. This is the second Hell in a Cell match we've gone back and watched. Of the two that we've watched, which one did you enjoy rewatching more and why? I mean, I guess I'll say this one because the last one really wasn't a match. It was just, you know, <laughs> I'm going to beat the out of mankind, you know? <laughs> like, I'm going to go with the last one, and this has because no, Undertaker's in both of them, so it has nothing to do with the Undertaker. It's just this one felt very like spotty and didn't flow real well. I, mean, I can understand that, but I mean, most of the last one was just mankind getting carted out. So it's just, there wasn't much to that match at all. Like it, it wasn't but a match. He was carted out after some iconic, historic high spots that happened that really take your breath away spots 
yes, spots. I agree. It was a spot fest, but like it's just at least it was a better story. It was a better story told in that match than in this match where one guy rolls out and one guy rolls in and they beat each other up for a little while and everyone's just doing their stuff. And for some reason, the Undertaker doesn't come down and compete in the rest of the match. He just got really tired and decided to take a nap, I guess. And sometimes you just need a nap, dude. Yeah. You got anything else from Hell in the Cell? Nah. You got a vote going on right now, right? That's what I was going to say. Right now, I posted the vote for what we're going to talk about. It is going to be our last Hell in a Cell, uh, Hell in a Cell discussion next week. Because um, the week after that will be predictions before the pay-per-view. Hey, listen, people. Do the right thing. All right? Vote Cactus Jack Triple H because it was the best Hell in a Cell. There is no fucking way we can talk about Hell in a Cell matches without talking about the first ever Hell in a Cell match. All right? Yes, sir. Yes, Especially there is. because this first Hell in a Cell match gave us the debut of Kane. All right? Who we haven't even had a Kane fact in like months, so who cares? I, mean, I can give you a Kane fact if we get this fucking. We talk about this match next week. My match had the return of Cactus Jack. The right thing. Who gives a shit about Cactus Jack? We already got Mick a lot of people. He was seven shit. times in the last three weeks. So listen, do the right thing. Bad Blood, 97. Bad Blood 04. Um, you guys can find that on Facebook at facebook.com slash group slash smacking it raw. You guys will also be able to find our live post shows there as well as facebook.com slash creation magazine uh, after the pay-per-views. This one's going to be interesting. I will keep you guys updated as to what's going on with it. Uh, not 100% sure yet. Also, there we just finished the tag team tournament. We're going to start doing a tournament of best rivalries and best rivals over there. So please go join that Facebook group. What? Who won the tag team tournament? The Dudley Boys won the tag team tournament. Right. Um, the right. Travis. Team. All right. It's okay. They can find you Twitter at Cusselot, Twitter and Instagram at SIR underscore C-U-S-S-A-L-O-T-T. Right. You guys can find me um, on Twitter, not Instagram, at Matt Ritter. That is at M-A-T-T-R-I-D-D-E-R. The Rack has a Facebook page at The Rack SRW, Facebook.com slash The Rack SRW. Uh, go check out both Twitter and Facebook. Uh, don't get inducted into Kicked in the Crotch Club. We also have the return of Super Flash Arrow coming soon. October, sir. Really? I thought it was September. No, sir. October. Oh, well, then, no. Anything <laughs> else coming up that's returning soon? Um, No, but we just had a creation conversation. That's live right now, facebook.com slash creation magazine. Go check that out. You got anything else, Travis? Nothing right now. All right. For Travis Pointer, I am the Warden Matt Ritter. We are smacking it raw, and we are that damn good.